For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Well, I'm anxious to share my message with you today. And part of it I alluded to a little bit on Wednesday night. You see, the National Day of Prayer is coming up for us as a country on May the 5th, which is a Thursday night. And there will be thousands of churches all over America from every denomination that are going to be sharing a time of prayer for our country. Now, along with that, we've got specific things. Shirley Dobson, who is the wife of Dr. James Dobson, many of you recognize for years, on focusing on the family and the relationship he had with praying for the country and for families. Well, his wife is chairing this group and has asked churches all across the globe to be finding new ways to pray for our country. We've, we've been called by God to pray for America. This is our home. And sometimes when you watch the news, it can be very discouraging. Sometimes when you're watching the news, it can sound like God and Christianity are on the way out. But I'm telling you, God has given us a root. And that root goes down deep when people came to America to be able to worship God freely as they saw fit. And this nation's foundation was built off of Christian principles. Well, the same thing is true here with our country. And on that Thursday night, we're going to gather together at 7 p.m. Now, we'll still have church this Wednesday as we finish up the month of April. But the following first Wednesday in May, we will not do church that night because the very next night will be the day of prayer. So even if you don't normally come out on a Wednesday night, I'd like to encourage you to make plans, adjust your schedules to be here with us as we pray for our country. Pray for the leadership. When you look at the candidates that are running for president, you know we need prayer. Now, we're not going to be endorsing anybody, anything else like that. And if you are a staunch supporter of one of the candidates, the only rule we're going to have for prayer that night is that you're not going to pray that your candidate is God's choice. Okay, because sure enough, if you are out there uh, praying over Hillary to be the next president or you're praying for Donald Trump to be the next president or whoever you're praying for, it could get somebody riled up. And we're not here to play politics. We're here to be the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's talk a little history about the Quad Cities. Here's some very important things that talked about the spiritual awakening that took place here in this community. In 1835, there was a Jesuit priest that came up the river and came to the area which is now known as East Davenport. There was an area that was called the site of the mass. The guy's name was Ch uh, Father Charles Felix Van Quickenborn. Mm -hmm. Quite a name, isn't it? He came up here and was looking for finding ways to do ministry. And after Mass was spoken, he spoke a blessing over the area because at that time in 1835, there had been all kinds of cyclones, or what we would call tornadoes today, that had been going up and down the Mississippi Valley region. This was still the time that there was the Black Hawk Indian Wars and different things that were going on. And so he had it in his heart to take the gospel up the Mississippi River. There have been others through the years that had tried to do this, but they had never had any converts. 
When this Jesuit priest started to go out and preach the gospel for the first time, there were Indians that began to convert to Christianity. And so he spoke a blessing over this area in 1835 that the tornadoes that had been hitting the area would be gone and this area would be blessed and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When he did that, converts were made and people accepted Christ. There was such a move of God that was going on amongst the Indians. This was shortly tied into everything that was going on in the nation with figuring out what we were going to do with Indians, how we were going to see peace in the land. There were so many controversial things. Please know this, just because there's controversy does not mean there cannot be a move of God. And so people began to accept Christ, and this priest went ahead and commissioned a group of Indians to begin to carve out a cross that would be in that area on the top of the hillside looking over the river. Now, there was a historian, one of the early settlers in, in uh, Davenport. His name was Mr. J.M.D. Burroughs. And he was one of the pioneers of the city of Davenport. So this is how some of this was documented because it's in the history of Davenport itself. So as the cross was all finished in 1888, this crucifix was placed up on top of the hillside in what at that time was known as St. Catherine's School to be used as a school for girls. And yet in this area, God was finding a way to get Christianity to be, to be established. It was a walnut wood that was carved by the Indians to create this cross. Now, here's something else as a history note. As late as 1830, there was only an estimated 50 white people in the whole area of Iowa. That was two weeks before Iowa and the Black Hawk Indians would sign a treaty together. And in 1832, missionaries were already coming up the river, as I said, but no one had had converts. Now there were converts that were happening all across that area. It's true that Marquette had come down the river in 1673 and that Hennepin had came down in 1680 preaching the gospel, but nobody had accepted Christ in any of those meetings. Hennepin, do you remember we've got a canal out here, the Hennepin Canal. See, there's all kinds of names that tie together. Know this, that even though years had passed from the first time the gospel was preached, God was planting seeds, and we are to plant seeds everywhere we go. When you pray over places, when you do things, know this, God is doing something because he's using you to plant seeds just like these early men that began to preach the gospel. There was an actual prayer revival in 1858 that came to the Quad Cities. Now, it started on October 14, 1857, uh, on a street that was out in, uh, let me get the right place here, a street that was right by Wall Street. Wall Street had caved on that date in October 14th of 1857, and there were a group of business people together that were praying they were seeing happening to America. Isn't it funny how sometimes it seems history repeats itself with the market caving and yet people calling out to God? Never ever think that things are so bad that the church will not rise up. Sometimes in the greatest persecution and the lack of any hope does the church and the gospel begin to shine.
And so it was happening on the East Coast, and it later came to the Quad City area. There was a man named Jeremiah Lamphan who started praying for America and for revival in Brooklyn, New York. And they gathered together with several other business people. And before you know it, this hour of prayer had caught on so much so that in Brooklyn, businesses closed down at noon and people gathered to pray in churches that would open up their doors. There was a hymn that really came about at this time that was inspired by these activities called Stand Up for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. It's one of those songs that was inspired. Please know that God is always looking to inspire his people. And today, as folks call out before the Lord, wouldn't it be marvelous if when we gathered together on May 5th for this National Day of Prayer, that it was a spark of revival that hit every part of this nation. Every church, every denomination, every Christian that had been lukewarm, all of a sudden the fire of God begins to fall. Well, there was a newspaper at that time called the Daily Iowa State Democrat. And on March 23rd, 1858, this was what there was uh, posted in the newspaper. The prayer meetings at the Second Baptist Church was pretty generally attended yesterday afternoon. There seems to be a great awakening in matters of religion throughout the East and the West. We trust and believe that much good will be the result of this universal outburst of religious feeling. Let all take time enough during their day to attend these meetings. Here was the newspaper looking at what was happening for a spiritual revival, that the timing that this was going on in Davenport, businesses would close their doors, and instead of going to lunch, they would pray and fast through their lunchtime for a spiritual awakening to hit the Quad Cities. Shortly after that, the same type of prayer meeting started over in Rock Island, and prayer was going on for our country. As we pray on this National Day of Prayer, on May the 5th, we're going to unite our faith with other believers. God's not looking at trying to fill churches. God is looking at filling hearts. Because when you get full of God, when you get filled with the power of His Holy Spirit, you just want to share it. You don't want to hide it. You don't ever want to ignore it. You want people to know the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you would open up your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians, we are preparing our hearts for what God has been saying, that even biblically, scripturally, the Bible speaks that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And if you love God already this morning, would you please say praise the Lord with me? Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to know we want that fire inside you to burn even brighter. And in Colossians chapter 3, Look with me, if you would, starting at verse 12. I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And in verse 12 through 17, the word says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you catch all those characteristics? Now, listen, everybody in this room has some different personality traits. Some of you are quiet. Some of you are loud. Some of you are initiators. Some of you hold back. Some of you are very, very loving and caring openly. Others of you don't show that openly, but yet you have deep-seated love inside you that when you make a commitment to someone, you are faithful to them and supportive, and it's just rock solid. Nobody will ever move you. We all have different personality traits, but we also each have a, a spirit that when you get born again, it gets born again. And a change happens inside of us, so much so that we are able to love beyond natural abilities. Sometimes people have a hurt experience that shows up in their life, and because of that hurt, it scars them. And they look at a person, and they say, yep, everybody with mustaches, they're just like the guy that took advantage and hurt me with mustaches. I'm not going to like anybody with a mustache. Sometimes we label people like that. Or we look at them and say, well, they're from a particular denomination. And that denomination is different than what I believe, so I don't want to have anything to do with them. We are all different. My fingers and my toes do different things. But I need all of them. I do. Now, I don't know. Maybe you don't look at your feet very much. A lot of times we keep them in our shoes. Sometimes we take them out. If Pastor Jimmy's up in the sound room, his shoes are off. I can always count on that. He's up there, he's in his element, he's relaxed, he is happy. Aren't you, brother? All right. Now, you might, now everybody's going to want to volunteer to work in the sound room. Oh, we get to take our shoes off. Do they eat up there also? Yeah, they usually have some kind of a snack up there that they're eating on. Now we're really going to get volunteers, right? I know Brad's the one that usually has all kinds of candy and things up there, isn't he? Wow. I can look back and see him with the sucker going like this. Sometimes I want to run back there while I'm preaching and say, I just need a couple licks. That looks pretty good. The word says here that we're to have tender mercies, that we're to have kindness and humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. Listen, sometimes you're going to have to bear with somebody. Sometimes it might not be easy to be with that person, but you're going to have to bear with them. Here, we'll put it in these words. You might have to suffer and sacrifice a little bit to be with someone. Oh, pastor, I don't want to do that. I'm putting all those things out of my life. I'm just looking for easy street. Yeah, but you don't realize that a lot of people look at you and they're wondering if they can bear with you. Can I put up with them? Hmm. Funny how we judge people, isn't it? We judge them on their size. We judge them on their appearance. We judge them on the way that they look, how their hair is, all these other things. We judge people before we get to know them. And yet the Word's telling us that we're supposed to bear with one another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you, you also must forgive them. Now to forgive people is tough at times, especially if they hurt our feelings. Any of you who use social media, you know that today it's like so many people get so offended about things. Whether it's up on Facebook or it's something that's been published out there, people get so offended. I'm offended that you're offended. 
people are arguing on which bathroom they're supposed to use. All these kind of crazy things out there. People get offended so easily. And yet the scripture tells us don't be easily offended. What would happen? Hey, Batman, can I pick on you just for a moment? Maybe you didn't realize. Let's look at Aaron over here on this side. Look at, look at that beard. That was your sister laughing. Look at that beard. Sort of looks like a mountain man, doesn't he? Wearing a Batman shirt, coming to church, looking like that. Honey, you heard that. Sign him up for the sound room up there. Now, Aaron is one of the most tender-hearted guys that you'll ever meet. He would do absolutely anything for anybody. He will find ways to give sacrificially that nobody else will ever see, but that's how he rolls. That's how he does things. You give him a spatula and a pan, and he can cook up magic. That's one of his gifts. His wife's nodding. You know that, right? The best gravy right there. Good gravy, I'm telling you. That's one of his gifts. But, you know, if you just look at him and you see him walking down the street, you might think, oh, look at that guy. He's burly. I better walk over here. It's probably not safe. Hide the small children. And yet you might see somebody else walking down the street, clean shaven, looking all proper, and yet you don't know that there could be corruption and evil within his heart. Let's not write people off. Let's love people. Let's show the tender mercies that God is speaking about here. Yeah, but pastor, sometimes when I show tender mercies and love towards someone, they take advantage of me. They find ways to take advantage and hurt my feelings. Love is one of the greatest gifts you'll ever have to share with anyone else. But sometimes people walk upon your love. Sometimes they will hurt your feelings. But do not let that stop you from loving. Because Jesus Christ loved you when you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made it possible that we could be forgiven, we could be restored. The Bible says here, put on love. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. We've been talking about God's provision. We've been talking about how he wants to provide for you spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes we get out in our world and our element and there's nothing of God out there and we forget we're supposed to take God into that world. It says here, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you remember the, one of the ways you learned the ABCs, the alphabet, when you were growing up? It was set to music. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Now, I remember watching each of the kids when they hit that part. They just knew that was something that closed up that particular line within the song. There was no letter LMNOP. Later on as they grew up, oh, those are individual letters. Okay. They thought that's just how the whole thing went. We learn with music. That's one of the tools that God's given to us is music. This is why we sing when we worship and give God glory because it's one of the ways we express what's on the inside of us. It can be with fast songs. It can be with slow songs. It's just got to come from our heart.
so that when you're worshiping God, you find that it's one of the greatest tools that God's given to us. And yet in our world, sometimes music is not used for glorifying God. It doesn't mean you forget about music. It means you find ways to use that music to glorify Jesus Christ. It's been years ago since I first heard this story, but I had spoke to a man who at one time had attended church. When we were first out of Bible college, we worked in a church in Meridian, Mississippi. And there was a fellow who had been a part of an Assembly of God church up in Tupelo where Elvis had grown up. And as a little boy, Elvis had been in this church, and they had had a church talent night that was going to come up. And Elvis had been exposed to rockabilly. He had been exposed to all kinds of different styles of music. And he had a song he had put together to want to perform that night. And so as a young boy, he got up to the piano in front of everybody within that church. He had been a part of a spirit-filled church. He had been born again at a, a very early age. And as he got up there, he started playing that music with a rock beat to it. And right away, people started jumping up and said, that's the devil's music. That's the devil's music. And they all were offended. And the pastor stood up and looked at Elvis and said, don't you ever play a song like that again in this church. This place is to be holy before the Lord. Lord. Could you imagine what would have happened if that church could have embraced the idea that something marvelous was happening and it was just a little bit different, but every one of the words Elvis was singing was to glorify God? Hmm. It could have changed history, but the church was not awake. The church was caught up in tradition. Let us never be so traditional that we forget that we have a creative God. You ain't nothing but a heathen needing Jesus every day. You ain't nothing but a sinner. You need the blood of Jesus to carry you away. Come on down to the altar and get saved today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Realize the creative power of God. Aren't you glad none of you look alike? Man, look who's sitting next to you for a moment. Janet, you'd look funny in that beard. <laughs> we have a creative God. Even though there are similarities in each of us, we must know that we have a creative God who moves supernaturally. And if we're going to love and reach this world for Jesus Christ, we've got to be able to see that those differences are nothing to separate us, but they are to propel us forward into the plans and purposes of God. Whatever you do, I love this portion, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. If what you're doing, you can't have the Lord be a part of it, you don't need to be doing it. Take him into the theater. Take him into the places you go. Take him into your workplace. Take him into your hobbies and your activities. But if Jesus couldn't be there, if you'd have to say, Lord, close your eyes, this is going to be bad. You don't need to be there either. That old phrase that was used back in the early 80s, what would Jesus do? It's important to remember, what would you do? Do we take Christ into every place we go? Let's go back over to the Old Testament to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua is an amazing book. As the children of Israel are coming out of bondage, God has a plan for them. 
Their parents had died in the wilderness. A new generation, a group of kids and young adults was getting ready to go into the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 24, take a look down at verse 13. Verses 13 through 15. Joshua 24, verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves would not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But now here's one of these phrases that's very famous to believers. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you say that with me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember my folks having a little plaque with that on at the house when I was a kid growing up. The importance of knowing that you have given your house, your family, to God. Here were the children of Israel that had died out because of unbelief. They couldn't go in and possess the promised land. They had children while they were in the desert. Their children were growing up, hearing of the power of God, but yet never seeing it other than the provision that was there to watch over them while they were in the desert. Their parents all die out. Now it's time to go into the promised land. A new leader is raised up by God, Joshua, who was an understudy and working with Moses. And God says, now you're going to take these people into the promised land. You're going to go into places you never built, and they're going to be houses that are ready for you. Isn't that amazing? Listen, you might look in the natural and not have any idea how extra finances or need is going to come to you. But God has made provision in the world out there. And God can find a way to get anything into your hands if you will love him and obey, for, obey his word and chase after him. God will open the windows of heaven for you. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I don't know how it's going to work. In the natural, I have this limited income. I have this. I have this limited education. There is no limitation when you are in God. There may be limited mobility in the natural to get around, but I'm telling you, God can find a way to get you around. Sorry for that in the microphone. I, I just sometimes sit back and I think to myself how the world wants to embrace people that have different disabilities out there, and yet the church sometimes looks and says, oh, no, no, we only want perfect people. I'm telling you what, the church is to be a hospital. The folks that have been damaged in any way can be ministered to and have the life of God flow through them. Oh, we have got to get beyond these silly labels and issues that are out there as the church of Jesus Christ in the world and realize if we will open up, God will send in those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and will find it. Joshua looked at these kids, these young adults whose parents had died off, and they still had some of the traditions that their folks had raised them under. When someone gets converted, it doesn't mean that right away, immediately, all their old habits die off. 
What's happened is they've given their heart to Christ, and now God begins to change from the inside out. If somebody looks just a little different than you do or their habits are a little different, don't write them off and say, well, they're not real Christians. They'll become real Christians when they do everything I do. Let me tell you, isn't it a good thing that we don't have TV cameras following us around like a reality TV show? Man alive. Wouldn't it be horrible if somebody was watching you 24-7? Well, I got to tell you, you do have someone. That's the Lord. But he's not there to make fun of you or to point out your weaknesses. He's there to give you victory over them. Joshua speaks out, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He says, get rid of those idols. Get rid of those little things you're holding on to that was your family keepsake. Sometimes we hold on to family thoughts. Sometimes we hold on to family attitudes. Sometimes we hold on to cultural things from different parts of the country we've grown up in. And we need to let them go if they don't glorify God. Yeah, but pastor, you know, when you're talking about Spanish-speaking people, listen, I grew up in southern Texas, and we don't like people that are from that area that speak Spanish. You know, there's nobody that's a good one that comes from that area. I grew up out west, pastor. You don't know about Indians. Let me tell you about Indians. I grew up in this area. I grew up in that area. I grew up in San Francisco. You don't know about those Chinese people, pastor. People are people are people are people are people. And people need the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We've got to understand that there is no color difference with God. There's no cultural issue. We can't sit back and say, well, their culture says it's okay, so we'll let it go on. We've got to know that God changes hearts. Conversion changes lives. But let the Holy Spirit do that work. If he will convict someone, they won't go back into it. But if you go and try to talk them out of something, okay, I'll behave because you're my friend and I'll do what you think. What happens if you do something to offend them and they quit doing something just because you said they shouldn't? It needs to be a move of God on their hearts. It needs to be a move of God in their lives. Stay in that same chapter. Look down in verse 22 through 24. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourself to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are amongst you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. Get rid of the idols in your heart. That means putting God first. That means God is first even before your family. Now let me clarify some things. Don't forsake your family. Take them into the presence of God with you. You don't want your kids rebelling against church and about the things of God? Don't make them seem or feel unqualified. If you're going to go into prayer, know this. Take your kids with you. Teach them how to pray. They don't have to be theologians when they're two or three. They just need to love God. And when they're praying for their dog or their cat, don't say to them, no, 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 don't pray for those. Those are just animals. Their dog or cat is special to them. Their doll is special to them. Their friend is special to them. Encourage them to pray. No, Miss Susie Buttons will not get born again. She might be the favorite doll, but she has no spirit inside of her. But to a little girl, Susie Buttons 
is her favorite doll. See, if you're going to teach your kids to love and they can love on their dolls, you need to teach them how to love Jesus and do what Jesus would do for us. A servant's heart gets brought into our kids' lives. And if you sit back and say, oh, no, 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 we're going to do this for God, but we're going to leave our kids with the babysitter. We don't want our kids interrupting the move of God. We need God to be a part of the lives of our kids. We need the gospel to be shared at their level. That's why we do classes the way we do, so that those kids can be ministered to on their level. As they grow, as they mature, different things change in how they learn. But we also need to understand that God is wanting to touch hearts. Include them so that they will love the Lord. Include them to be a part of the move of God. When you're talking about the National Day of Prayer, when you go to lunch today, or when you pray over the next meal that you're together, or whatever's going on at nighttime prayers, be able to say to them, remember, we're going to pray for the president. Remember, we're going to pray for this. Remember, we're going to pray for this soldier. Remember, we're going to pray for this. Teach them to pray so that prayer comes up in their hearts. Let's look at the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Right before the New Testament, Malachi is a short little book, but take a look in chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 7 through 11. Malachi 3, verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. I'd like you to either circle that or mark that in your Bible. We're going to continue reading here, but this is the main point I want you to see as we look at the rest of this. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will, be, there will not be room enough to receive them. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit as you uh, for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, a lot of times people look at this and they say, well, this is a scripture about tithing and offerings. It is, but there's a much bigger point here. God is saying, return to me. When you return to God, you love him. When you fell in love with the person you're married to, wasn't there the desire inside you to give to them? My goodness, it could be flowers. It could be to go out to eat together. It could be jewelry. It could be all kinds of things. You found inside you a desire to give to that person because you loved them. Now, sometimes it looks in some relationships that love starts to cool off. If the love has started to cool off, find a way to heat it back up. Don't give up and just say, well, you know, time goes by. Things change. You know, we're together, but that's it. That's no way to live. That's no way to live with God. 
He says, return to me and I will return to you. He's reaching out to you today. See, one of the biggest messages of the cross is to be a giver. It's not just talking about the money. That's a good thing. It will open up. The Bible even says in the last part, God will rebuke the devourer for your sake because you're a giver. But find ways to give in every part of your life. Remember that tender mercy thing we were reading earlier? Remember that forgiveness, that ability to look beyond things in the natural? I'm asking you today to take a charge in your own heart, to look beyond what you have known in the past and return to God and say, Lord, I'm ready to be fired up. Lord, I'm ready to be equipped. Lord, I'm ready to do what you've asked me to do. Get rid of the poverty spirit that tries to make you to be stingy with your love to people, with your affection, with your care that you give out. Get rid of that stingy attitude and get an attitude that is above and beyond everything you've ever had before. Let's wrap this all up in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians chapter 3. With that kind of an attitude of wanting to be excessively glorifying God and giving of yourself, you'll find that the more you give, the more God brings back into you. And in Ephesians chapter 3, more, I'm telling you, uh, let's do this just for time's sake. Drop down to verse 20. Emmy, if you'll adjust that there, just down to verse 20. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let me read it again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What works in you? What is in you? As a believer, the Holy Ghost is in you. The power of the Holy Spirit's inside you. Now, how much are you using it? How much are you allowing God to flow through you? This word says this exceeding abundance was going to come in and be working through you because of the power that's already there. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, we ask or think. Man, I can ask and think about a lot of things. I can think about what I would do if I was in this situation or that. Don't ever let your dreams stop. Don't ever stop what's going on on the inside of you of the possibilities that are out there. Yeah, but in the natural, I don't have any resources, Pastor. In the natural, I don't have this. I don't have that. It doesn't matter. If you will use the power of God that's in you, there will be unlimited resources available to you. Hallelujah. Our God is able. Amen. Our God is full of life and power. And these people who'd walked in the wilderness who didn't have anything, he says to them, get rid of those idols that your dad and mom had. It didn't work for them. And depend on me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where the power of God is. That's where the anointing is. And that's what God wants you to have today. Wouldn't it be something if every church, if every preacher, if every person in every congregation got so fired up on the inside of their heart that they said, Lord, I want the world to know what I know that Jesus saves. I want the world to know what I know that he empowers us. I want the world to have that same love that you have given to me. Worship team, if you'd come. This morning, I'm going to ask you, will you return to the Lord? Now, if you're already fired up and moving on with Jesus, praise the Lord. 
But will you take that time to intercede and to pray for those in our world that have gotten somewhat lukewarm, that have not known what they're to do. They just feel something missing on the inside of them. If there is a feeling inside of you today that there is something missing, then I want you to call out to God that he would reveal himself to you so that you could know that you could know that you could know God has a purpose for you. Just because you're going through some challenges, let me tell you, every spiritual awakening that's ever happened in the United States and in every part of the world has happened at times when people were lost and confused and do, but they called out to God. We are primed here in America. Church of years for this new move of God. This morning, would you stand to your feet with me? And will you take a moment to look within your own heart Take a look and see if you've been discouraged. It's time this morning to get encouraged. It's time to see that there is a God who does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Those people in your family that look like they're lost, they need the Lord today. Would you intercede for them? The people in your neighborhood, the people that are working in this plant that you work in, the people that are around you in the grocery store, will you intercede for them and ask God to move in their lives? It can be hard if you don't think the fire is burning big enough inside you. So if you need to today, you just say, Lord, I repent. I repent for not putting you first. I repent for putting in front of you that have been little idols that I didn't even realize were idols. And let God cleanse your heart so that you can be set free today. I'm going to open up the altar area. If you need prayer, you come on down. If you need healing in your body, we'll be happy to pray for you as the Bible says. But just take a moment and as the worship team is first singing, please don't sing with them. Just look in your life. Have a conversation with God. Second time around, you can sing with them. That, that's not a problem. But don't let this moment go by without the Lord cleansing and opening up your heart. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let his power flow through you today. He's a good God. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come on down too. We'll pray for you. Let's let God be exalted in this place. Worship team.